Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? We was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's up? Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of The Green Solution's 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. And if you use promo code BSN20, you will get 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. We're back. Monday edition of the show. We've returned from San Antonio in one piece. Saw some good basketball. Ate some good barbecue. Successful trip, I'd say. The Nuggets split one and one, which going in I thought was best case scenario. I actually thought they would drop a show last week, but successful trip, I'd say, all things considered. Yeah, I survived the stare down with the coyote, too. It was mm. terrifying. I actually did have a nightmare about the coyote. The coyote was one of the big performers of the weekend, uh, I think. A good series for him, a breakout series, if you will, for the Spurs mascot. The image of him in the Easter Bunny outfit yeah. with a t-shirt cannon yeah. is one that I won't be that won't be easy to forget. Yeah, probably the peak moment for the coyote over the two games is when he came out in that pink Easter Bunny suit. I mean, sent shockwaves through the arena. Yeah, he should be arrested. <laughs> well, like I said, we've got a lot to get to. The big starting lineup change, of course, results in the Torrey Craig podium game. Don't think I would have speculated we get one of those this playoffs, much uh, less in the first round of this thing. Denver gets game four, of course. Now the series is tied up to Jamal Murray has a great bounce back game. Gary Harris locks up Derek. Continues to put together what I think is a pretty under-the-radar four games. A remarkable series, I think, from Nikola Jokic so far. So we'll get into what he's done over the last couple weeks as well and if it should be getting some more attention, which I should and Michael Malone would probably agree. I want to start, though, on Friday. Denver loses Game 3, a tough loss that kind of made a lot of us think that Denver might not have a great shot in this series unless they really came out in uh, game four and really put their foot down, which they ended up doing. But Friday, the Nuggets 
Hold availability at their team hotel, downtown San Antonio. The Valencia, I think that's what it was called. Uh, we're all packed into a little conference room. We talk with Michael Malone. He reveals that he's really thinking about changing his starting lineup. And that's kind of the notion we had been getting for the last 24 hours. Definitely after game three, it seemed like there had to be a change that was made. Will Barton, just, it just didn't seem like it was going to work for him in the starting lineup. He hasn't had a great series. And so we thought a change would be coming. We didn't get much direction from Michael Malone at that availability, but you kind of hit this one on the head. You thought it was going to be Torrey Craig all along. I kind of thought it was going to be Malik Beasley, but it ends up being Torrey Craig. And I mean, you probably can't argue with the results. Yeah, I I predicted that for two reasons. You know, number one, I think, you know, Michael Malone just trust Torrey Craig a little bit more in his gut right now than he does Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley yep. is obviously an incredibly talented player, but I, I just think he makes a lot of, you know, mistakes that the young players do sometimes. And so I, I think Torrey Craig is a safer option. And number two, you know, the Nuggets are coming off a game where they just got destroyed with the dribble penetration. And Torrey Craig, you know, I think it's either him or Gary Harris is is their best player on the team in terms of containing dribble penetration. So, yeah, that's why I thought he was going to be the move. And they also made the move because, and this was something Michael Malone said in his pregame availability before game four, he was getting really irritated with having to play catch-up all game. He had a couple great quotes in his pregame availability, one about just how he's so tired of having to get back into games and cut the Spurs leads in, in for the first quarter. And another one about dribble penetration, how his team just looks like a bunch of ticket takers out there. Take a ticket and come right into the paint. <laughs> this has just been an incredible series for Michael Malone uh, in the press conference setting. He, he's winning the podium battle for sure with Greg Popovich. Um, but Denver still wants to get more defense into the game early, and they go with Torrey Craig. They still didn't get off to a good start in game four. They're down 12 points in the first quarter, and we were looking at each other thinking, well, they should have started Malik Beasley, and you know, I was firing off some tweets. A lot of people were, and Denver eventually gets back into this game, but it still seemed like the right move in the long run. Torrey played a great game, obviously, defensively, and certainly helped that he knocked down five threes, a career high for him, but if they had gone Malik Beasley, I still think they could have gotten off to a better start, you know? Just from an offensive standpoint. Things were feeling pretty morbid when they got in that 12-point hole after the first quarter. I mean, I was really starting to think about, okay, this might be the season, and and what am I going to have to write after this game that, you know, they're they're down 3-1, to that's a nearly insurmountable hole. I mean, if you just look at the numbers uh, with with Craig plus the usual four starters, um, the the Murray-Harris-Craig-Millsap-Jokic lineup played 199 minutes together in the regular season. It was not great. 99 offensive rating. 105 defensive rating, negative six net rating, you know, and, and what's essentially a must win. If, I mean, if you're just looking at those numbers, that seems like somewhat of a risk. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know you, you just can't go purely off like the net rating numbers. And I think some context is important here. You know, I think part of the reason they were so poor early in the season was Craig was shooting the ball like crap. And as the season wore on, he, he got a lot more confident with his outside shot. So, this is a, a different Torrey Craig than the guy we saw early in the season when the Lakers were playing, you know, 15 feet off of him. I, I get all that, but if it was me personally, I probably would have gone with Beasley. I respect the decision to go with Craig. The 
the bottom line was they just had to do something because Will Barton was going through it. Was, it was absolutely the right move to pull him, and I commend Michael Malone for making a tough decision. Yeah, he's had to make those tough decisions all year when it comes to the rotation. Taking Isaiah Thomas out of the rotation in nine games was probably just about as tough of a decision as this one to remove Will Barton. And you mentioned that really poor offensive rating that those five guys had together for most of the season. And I agree with you. That lineup played a lot earlier in the season when Torrey Craig was not shooting the ball well from three. But like you said, he has picked it up as of late. And in game four, that lineup plays 20 minutes, posts a 133.5 offensive rating. And a big part of the reason why is because Torrey Craig hit those five threes. (laughs) And so when he's hitting the outside shot, we've spoken about it all year, it's cake at that point because you know he's going to bring it on the defensive end of the floor. And I've loved the year he's had. I've loved just kind of the mentality that Torrey Craig brings with him. Unlike some of these guys on this team, Torrey Craig doesn't really care about how many minutes he plays. He doesn't care if he's in the rotation or out of the rotation one night. Of course, he wants to be on the floor, but you do know whenever you go to him for a minute or so here or there when maybe he was that ninth or 10th man on the outside looking in, he's going to give you great minutes. He's going to hustle. He's going to get on the floor. But he was able to do that for 37 minutes the other night. A great two-way performance from him. It was just clutch because the Nuggets kind of needed a spark, and that was something else I thought they would get with either him or Beasley, and they got it in a big way. Yeah, I thought the shot of the game came with about eight minutes left in the third quarter. The, the Nuggets dug themselves out of that hole in the second quarter, and the third quarter is when they really started to seize control of the game. There was this busted play, and Nikola Jokic tapped it to somebody at the top of the key. It got swung over to Torrey Craig as the shot clock was expiring, and he buried a three You know, right before the shot clock went off. I thought that was just such a huge shot for Denver. I mean, five threes for Torrey Craig, that's that's a career high. His previous career high was four. So, I mean, this was probably the best basketball game Torrey Craig has, has ever played. Uh, was that three from the left corner? Uh, I believe it was from the right wing. So he hit a couple from the corners. I think one from the left corner right in front of the uh, Nuggets bench. The same corner where Spurs legend Bruce Bowen who's got his jersey up in the rafters at AT&T Center, hit hundreds of threes from, and Michael Malone after the game saying how he spoke with Torrey Craig after last year, after his rookie season, where he did not shoot the ball well from three. And, you know, on the season, in the regular season, he only shot like a couple percentage points better from three from his rookie year to this season. I think he was at like 32% from three over the course of the season. And he was like, hey, man, I love your defense. I love your hustle, but you've got to be more of a threat from three if you want to play regular rotation minutes. You could be like our Bruce Bowen and just be a guy who's defense first, but the defense also has to respect from the corner and your shot from the corner. And that'd be great if he could be the Nuggets' Bruce Bowen. I mean, Bruce Bowen, say what you want about him. Dirty player, a little bit. Was kind of prone to sticking his foot where shooters might land. He was one of the first guys to do that, but... It was a hell of a defender, hell of a corner shooter, too. Well, if you could transport 2005 Bruce Bowen and put him on this Nuggets team, then mm-hmm. I guarantee you he'd be playing like 32 minutes a night. Oh, yeah. The Nuggets could use a guy like that. So I, I get why Mike Malone is saying, hey, try to pattern your game after that, dude. And, and quick aside, growing up, I think Bruce Bowen was my least favorite player. He like, was one of mine, too. Yeah, I grew up a Mavs fan, and I think that's actually a compliment, too. Because, you know, Bruce Bowen is one of those guys 
you just can't stand him if you're playing against him, but you love him if he's on your team. He's, you know, Patrick Beverly-ish qualities. Mm -hmm. Oh, he had a bunch of daggers against the Nuggets throughout those few playoff series that Denver and San Antonio played in the uh, early 2000s as well. So Torrey Craig gets the start. Malik Beasley, no, he continues to see his minutes up tier played 25 in this game. Didn't really stuff the box score like he has in the past, but I still felt like he played a pretty solid game. And I would expect Denver to continue to roll with this starting lineup here, definitely for game five. If you drop game five and Torrey Craig isn't shooting the ball as well, I think maybe you think about something else because at that point you're facing elimination. You kind of just put all your cards on the table. And then, yeah, Will Barton will continue to come off the bench. This is probably the lineup they go to until at least they drop another game, right? Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Um, the only way I can see them you know, switching things up is if they drop five and they really look clunky on the offensive end. And, you know, I think another thing that this this change did, I thought Will Barton played a, a little bit better than he has in the, the two previous games. I thought this was definitely his best game since game one of this series. Uh, he hit three threes. I thought there were still times when he was a little overeager on the offensive end. There was one play in the first half where he just came down and, and shot this pull-up mid-range shot, and you could see Mason Plumlee on the bench stand up and just say, hey, let's keep it moving, guys. But overall, Is that an exact quote? Hey, oh. will Mr. Barton, can you please <laughs> keep the ball moving around the perimeter? Well, he did the thing with the hands, <laughs> like the universal sign for let's keep it moving. Right. <laughs> but no, it wasn't an exact quote. <laughs> but yeah, I thought Barton, I mean... He didn't play great or anything, but I thought he was at least a little bit better than he was. Yeah, so I asked Michael Mullen after this game, why do you go Craig instead of Beasley? And I thought he provided a great explanation. And he goes, yeah, we wanted to get Torrey Craig on DeMar DeRozan and Gary Harris on Derek White, our two best perimeter defenders on their two best offensive perimeter players. I thought that made a lot of sense. He also said he didn't want to disrupt the synergy Beasley had off the bench with Monte Morris and Mason Plumlee. We've spoken a lot about that this season, so I can see where Malone's coming from with that. He also said that Will Barton coming off the bench would give him a chance to get the ball back in his hands more. And I can see that to an extent, but I think this move was more about just getting him out of the starting lineup and decreasing his minutes. I did speak with Will Barton after the game, and Denver had one game four. It was a feel-good win. A lot of great outings from guys up and down the roster. Will Barton was very frustrated after this one. He wasn't happy. He wasn't happy about coming off the bench. And he said that pretty directly to me. He didn't agree with Michael Mullen's decision to take him out of the starting lineup. He thinks he should still be starting. And yeah, he's frustrated right now. He's not the happiest of campers. I don't think it's going to be like a problem by any means, but he would much rather still be in the starting lineup right now, like a lot of guys would. It's just tough, man. I mean, I just think this this injury has really derailed this whole season. I mean, he missed so many shots inside in this game, and that's something that you've seen really develop into a pattern over the course of the season. He's not the same guy he was his first three years in Denver, really, really made a name for himself in the NBA. The finishing is just not the same. So I, I feel bad for him on one hand, but on the other, it was a move that absolutely needed to be made. Right, and it's tough because Will Barton is a prideful guy, and he takes a lot of pride in starting and – Moving him to the bench, that's something that's going to knock his pride a little more. And yeah, he's not extremely enthused about the move right now. And he would much rather be starting. But hey, he's 
know, probably just going to have to learn to make an impact off the bench here. And I think he can. I think he can just put his head down and, and go to work and try to find a nice rhythm because it was encouraging to see him knock down those three triples the other night. He had hit, what, one three-pointer through three games heading into game four. So it was good to see that for sure. Got a lot more to get to on this game. I know we got a lot of questions from you guys in the Total Beverage Fan Hotline inbox. Save those for Tuesday's show uh, so we can kind of use that to preview a Tuesday night's game, game five against the Spurs here in Denver. But a lot more to get to from game four. Nikola Jokic's night, just a dominating performance from him, I thought. Jamal Murray had a nice bounce back game. Gary Harris locked up Derek White. So uh, we'll go up and down the roster a little on the other side. We'll be right back. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as well as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. If you go to mygreensolution.com and use the promo code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. Monday edition of the show. A lot of stuff to go over from this Game 4 Nuggets win. Denver beats San Antonio 117-103. Where I want to go now is to Nikola Jokic. A remarkable performance from him in this one, I thought. 29 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. And I continue to be impressed by this guy in his first playoff series where he's got a lot of attention on him, both on the court and off the court with the media and whatnot. And he just continues to go out there and ball. I mean, there were some complaints about his game one I thought most of them were unwarranted. I thought he could have been a little more aggressive in spots, but largely he played a great game. He has just put his head down and just gone to work. He's been consistent. He's been great on the offensive end. Nobody's talking about his defense still. He's pretty much neutralized LaMarcus Aldridge, I felt like, for the most part. Aldridge has gotten going a little bit, but I don't think he's been the factor that a lot of people thought he would be in this series. This has been about, I think, as good as you could have expected Nikola Jokic to play. Yeah, no moment has has it appeared. The moment was too big for Nikola Jokic in this series. He he just seemed so in control, really, the whole time. And you know, I'm talking about the pre and post game media sessions too. I, I mean, he's happy. He's cracking jokes. He seems really loose, and he's himself. Yeah, it, it's reflected on the court. He was unbelievable in this game. I think this was one of the better Jokic games of his career, considering the stakes. I mean, he was so aggressive shooting the ball. Uh, he, he got up five shots in the first six minutes. He had seven shots in, in the first quarter, 16 shots by halftime. 
you know, the Nuggets really got cooking on offense there in the third quarter, and some other guys contributed, but I thought it was Nikola Jokic who really kept them afloat on the offensive end in, in the first quarter. And I saw two things from, from him that I think allowed him to, to go for 29 in this game and have a big night and get to the free throw line eight times. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing was the Nuggets were really finding him on, on the roll in the pick and roll. They're running a lot of pick and roll with him and getting him the ball on the move. And I think that's interesting because, you know, that's one way to counteract the double team is, is get him the ball on the move where if you're just throwing it to him on the post, he's kind of stationary and he's got his back turned to the basket. And I think it's just a lot easier for double team to sort of affect him that way. But if he's got it on the move, it's much easier for him to make quick decisions and make quick moves. So I think that was a big part of it. And the other thing too was, I think he was just looking for a shot more too. I mean, there was a play right before halftime where he just took it right at LaMarcus Aldridge. Like he was dribbled, started out from like 18 feet out or something and just right at the body overpowered him and, and by the time he got to the rim there were three spurs around him and he still laid it up for an and one so it was everything you wanted to see from your franchise player in this game definitely and I think Jokic is at a point in the series where he's realized all right LaMarcus Aldridge he can't stop me Jakob Pertl he's played better than I think most people thought Pertl would fare against Jokic but let's be honest one-on-one the post he's probably not stopping Jokic too often I think Something clicked for Jokic early on in this game in his head where it's kind of came to the realization that, all right, I can just take these guys into the post. And if they don't come with the double, which aside from game one, it seems like this double teaming tactic from the Spurs has dropped off and continued to drop off over games two, three, and four. They're not nearly doubling as much as they were in game one and even in game two. Not quite sure why, but when that double does not come, it does seem like Jokic is looking to score and get into his moves quicker. And the playoffs is a game of adjustments. And Michael Malone has made a lot of great adjustments over the regular season and really in a big test for him heading into game four, he makes the adjustment to move Torrey Craig into the starting lineup, proved to be the right move. Also moving Will Barton to the bench. And the fact that, like you said, Denver's getting in pick and rolls a little more, finding new ways to get Jokic the ball on the move, trying to get out in transition, getting him some quick early post-ups that way, I think are all pretty good adjustments from Denver. Yeah, I mean, the other thing in this game, he didn't have a turnover, and he was in there for, for 39 minutes. I mean, this was just such a superb game for him. I think really the only thing that you can pick nits with is he missed a couple bunnies around the rim. He went 10 for 22, but... Right, he did. He really shot more like 10 of 17 or 18 in this game, it seemed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but other than that, it, it was really a flawless performance. And I like what you said about the defense, too. Um, he, he's been so impressive on LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge pretty much has an, an unblockable shot. You just mm-hmm. have to make it as hard as you can on him when he's going to that like fadeaway shot that he has that high release on and I think Jokic has done an excellent job of contesting it right he's been the best player in this series I think we can say that now especially after Derek White tailed off a bit in game four and look there are a lot of questions there's a lot of outside noise even after the series after after the season Jokic had just about what type of player he'd be in the playoffs we both kind of thought that was a bit unwarranted but He's certainly backing up what he did during the regular season and proving that it was not a fluke or anything of that sort. 
Yeah, and if Nicole Jokic isn't playing a team that specializes in spread, pick, and roll, then I'm not worried about him at all, to be honest. I mean, I, I only worry about him when he goes up against, you know, a team like the Rockets or obviously the Warriors, teams that can just make him play in space, the high pick and roll, you know, possession after possession. And the Spurs just aren't a team like that, which is why going into the series, I was so confident in him, man. I, I have to say, like, I I felt like he was going to produce and he's lived up to it. He, he does just seem like himself, like, like you said a second ago, cracking jokes, talking into the microphone really weirdly. He's had a couple of those moments already this series. He's the only guy who's walked up to the podium and said, what's going on, guys? Or how's everybody doing? He's the only player in this series who's done that to like communicate with the media like we're not a bunch of robots or the enemy of the people, well, for lack of a better term. One time he said, how's everybody doing? And there was just a murmur, like people were like, good. And he's like, how's everybody doing? <laughs> right, 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 right. He's kind of owning the moment, and he just seems like himself. For a young guy who's in his first playoff series, I don't think you could have really wanted anything more. Now he's just got to close this thing out. You know, No pressure, kid, but now you got to close out the Spurs and continue to kind of push this team and carry this team. NBA.com slash stats dug this one up. Jokic has 82 points and 47 rebounds in his first four playoff games. Uh, the last player with that many points and rebounds through their four, first four postseason games was Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, he had 85 points and 51 rebounds. So these are like Shaq postseason debut numbers with plus more assists, basically. And this is probably going to sound crazy, but Jokic, like Shaq, has just been pummeling guys with his power throughout the entire season. He's doing that again in the playoffs. He's just backing LaMarcus Aldridge down and just putting him under the hoop, you know, kind of the way Shaq did, not with the same force and just torque that Shaq might have done, but nobody can hang with Jokic you know, when he's one-on-one -on -one the block. Just nobody in this series has the strength to guard him. And he's also using that strength on the defensive end. Like LaMarcus Aldridge can't gain any ground on Jokic when he's trying to back him down. So it's, it's been impressive. Marcus Aldridge is 6'11", 240 pounds, and Jokic just moving him out of the way like he's a sack of potatoes. Yeah. Jokic is a big boy. <laughs> he's a big boy for sure. So another adjustment that was made, and this kind of goes into how well Jokic has played defensively in this series on Aldridge and whatnot. Denver also moves Gary Harris on to Derek White. Another correct move to make, especially after Derek White absolutely cooked made barbecue chicken out of Jamal Murray in that game three. And we spent a lot of time on that on the podcast we recorded late Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday night after game three in San Antonio. But Gary Harris pretty much took Derek White out of this game. White only goes for eight points on three of eight shooting, turned the ball over four times. I felt like he, he was bothered by Denver's defense. And, you know, Gary Harris didn't really have it going offensively in this series, but it does seem like from here on out, in games five, six, and if this thing goes to seven, the Nuggets are going to need more from Gary Harris defensively than on the offensive end of the floor, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I thought he was fantastic uh, containing Derek White in this game. I also thought Torrey did a, a phenomenal job on, on DeMar DeRozan. I mean, those are your best two defenders in, in terms of of checking perimeter players, right? Gary Harris and Torrey Craig. So Yeah, that was Michael Mullins thinking, and, you know, having that as his starting shooting guard and small forward, our two best perimeter defenders on their two best offensive guys. Yeah, and 
I thought that Jamal Murray also had a nice bounce back performance after, like you said, Derek White turned him into barbecue chicken in game three. I thought this was Murray's most complete game of the series. I mean, obviously he went supernova in the fourth quarter of game two, but he was this was the most consistent game, the best he played through fourth four quarters. And obviously in the third quarter he had that that backdoor cut into the dunk. I guess that's right up there with Craig's uh shot clock beating three is one of the plays of the game. I was fascinated to see how Jamal Murray would respond here because he took a lot of heat, uh, deservingly so, and he's another young guy playing in his first playoff series, and he certainly looked like it at times. But he was kind of the topic of conversation, really, between games two and three, and then even between games three and four, uh, I feel like just because of how poor he had been defensively, how inconsistent he had been. And yeah, he had the great fourth quarter in game two, but other than that, kind of gotten outplayed by Derek White for every quarter except that one through the first three games. And there were a lot of questions to Michael Malone, to Monte Morris, to Gary Harris about how their starting point guard would bounce back. Everybody seemed confident that he would. I asked Monte Morris about how he thought Jamal Murray would bounce back. And Monte, he will give you really insightful stuff. I can't remember him ever going off on an answer for more than a minute which is what he did when I asked him about Jamal Murray. And he said how those two had been texting after game three when they got back to the hotel, how he just been telling Jamal it's a new day to keep his head up, you know, just bounce back hard in this game four. And that's exactly what Jamal Murray did. I felt like it was an impressive, mature performance uh, from Murray in this one. Monte Morris is a great teammate. He is. Every, every team could use a Monte Morris, no doubt about it. Um, it was a, a mature performance from Murray. And, you know, he's able to score the basketball, but it didn't look like, you know, he was trying to be over-aggressive too. That was almost something I, I was kind of worried about going into game four. Like, is he going to try to overcorrect after, after getting killed? And he was just in control, played within the flow of the offense. I thought uh, it did a really nice job of, of finding Nikola Jokic in the pick and roll which we talked about earlier, I, I think was a key for Jokic in this game. Murray had six assists. So, yeah, he was great. And, you know, him on Bryn Forbes, that, that's, a, that's a much better matchup for him defensively. Definitely. And it just seemed like Jamal Murray took what the defense gave him in this one as opposed to really trying to force the issue. It seemed like that's what he was doing earlier in the series. And just trying to get to the rim, trying to rise up over two or three bodies as the Spurs continue to pack the pan as they've done for most of this series. And he just kind of played an easier game, it's, it seemed like. It seemed like it just came more naturally to him. He just did not try to force the issue as much. Like I said, took what the defense gave him. Took the open shots when they were there. Looked to get his teammates involved when they were there as well. Only one turnover in this one for Jamal Murray to six assists. I thought he had better shot selection in this game four as well. And he can build on this for sure because, you know, I did not think before this series we'd ever seen Murray's confidence shaken that much. It seemed like it was shaken a bit after game three, but he's probably got it back now. Yeah, and, you know, I think a tell for him when when his confidence has been shaken, he he just looked pretty emotionless out there on the Mm. court in game three. Michael Malone, that was something that he highlighted he said he wanted to see Jamal play with a little more emotion in game four. And yeah, we saw that for him, that that grimace that had to like make his face cramp up. Well, I think he did tweak an ankle in this one. So of course, that's going <laughs> to help 
bring his game to new height. You know about my theory that Jamal Murray plays better after tweaking an ankle. Not too bad, so he has to like go to the locker room and really get it worked on. Just a little little small tweak here or there. We got to get an intern to start tracking that next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Maybe we could hire an intern, director of basketball research at at BSN Denver. <laughs> A couple more things I wanted to get to from this game. First, a quick word from Strava Craft Coffee. As always, really excited to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee. It's really changed lives. These guys' reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee, it's taken away long-term migraines, back pain, also arthritis, IBS. It has helped to decrease anxiety. Really, you name it, and Strava Craft Coffee has helped. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is also rich and tasty. It actually tastes good. And we cannot recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today. You can receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019, BSN2019 at checkout. And you'll get it shipped straight to your door. So here's where I want to go with this discussion now. We've talked for this whole series about how the Nuggets are just so much more talented than the San Antonio Spurs. And we've seen it in spurts. We haven't seen it consistently for, I'd say, two quarters in a row. We finally saw that, though, in game four, across quarters two and three, where the Nuggets just absolutely dominated the Spurs. They shot the ball well. They've shot the ball really well from three over these last couple of games, but they defended well. They ran their offense well. They scored efficiently. And really throughout the second and third quarters, I think we saw what this Nuggets team can do to San Antonio when they're operating at peak performance. Denver outscored the Spurs 69-45 to in quarters two and three in game four. They shot 50% from the field, above 50% from three, 16 assists on 22 made baskets, only turned the ball over twice. I think that there is a scenario out there where Denver comes back and wins game five and brings that momentum to San Antonio and wins game six. The fact that they were able to string together two consecutive quarters like this, I think gave everybody that was watching and even gave Denver some reassurance that says, all right, we are way more talented than these guys, even if we haven't shown it a lot this series. Yeah, this was the first time all series we saw Denver get the Spurs on their heels for an extended stretch. I mean, it was really just for a few minutes there in the fourth quarter of game two. I mean, they frustrated him to the point where DeMar DeRozan threw the ball at the referee. Yeah. He was fined $25,000 for that today. They were frustrated. The Spurs fans during this run were a little shook. They didn't know what to do. They started leaving the arena with like seven minutes to go in this game. Denver just kind of shocked everybody. Yeah, the early exit was kind of crazy. I mean, the lower bowl was mostly empty. It seemed like they're the last two minutes of the game or so. So... I mean that was that was great to see from Denver and yeah they do have just such a such an advantage in the talent department. The only thing that worries me is a Popovich coach team coming off a beatdown. Popovich right. was pissed after this game. Right. And naturally, in a playoff series, that's generally how it goes. I, I would think. I don't have any data on this, but usually in a really close series like this one, it goes every other every other. Spurs win game one, Nuggets win game two, Spurs win game three, Nuggets win game four. The fact that Denver is coming home, though, for game five, I'm expecting the best crowd of this playoff series for Denver 
here at Pepsi Center in game five. I feel like this would be the game to really ratchet up the intensity. The crowd has been great, but I think it could get to another level in this game five. And look, Denver's a young team in the playoffs for the first time. The Spurs have a lot of young guys as well, but generally they are more experienced. And now it feels like this series is about a really young team in the playoffs for the first time, bouncing back from a brutal game three and really just finding themselves in game four and just having that confidence that, all right, this is the team we've been for the regular season. We've kind of gotten used to the playoffs right now. We're really used to playing the Spurs. We know what they're going to do. They know what we're going to do. We're kind of ready to take stranglehold of this thing. And I think that's the direction Denver could go here over these next couple of games. And my God, how the takes around this team have changed. After game three, everybody was hammering Denver and saying, oh, this is a classic, you know, the veteran team and the Spurs gets the better of the upstart Nuggets. Those takes have taken a 180 degree reversal over the span of one game. Yeah, I mean, people were firing up the trade machine after game three. Uh, there was there was definitely panic. There was anger. And now Denver has control of the series. Yeah, and I, I mean, I could just sense people kind of almost tuning out, too. Like, I, I just sense there was a lot less interest in the Nuggets after, after game three. People were kind of writing them off. Um, man, things did not look good after they fell in that 12-point hole in the first quarter. Did not feel good about their chances incredible resiliency by by this Nuggets team. And that's kind of been a calling card for them all season. I mean, they were among the most injured teams in basketball, still got the 54 wins. They just figured out different ways to win. You know, so many different lineups throughout the course of the season, just so many different faces really around Nikola Jokic, one of the few constants. And this was another example. One of the last things I've got here is being in San Antonio, seeing the Spurs culture up close and personal for three, four days, man, it's impressive. I was just marveling at kind of the infrastructure in San Antonio and that organization and just the ability that the Spurs have to just churn out these good teams every year without high draft picks, developing them in their system. The character on all these Spurs teams has just been incredible and the fact that it's kind of a one-sport town and you can tell how loyal that fan base is there. And I was joking to you as we were eating barbecue on uh, Saturday that when you grow up in San Antonio, you eat barbecue during the day, you go watch the Spurs at night. It just seems like a tight-knit fan base. And it was impressive. It was really impressive just being up close and personal with it. The Spurs probably shouldn't have even been in the playoffs this year. Yeah. Like, I mean, the highest draft pick this franchise has had since Tim Duncan in 1999 is 18th, made the playoff 22 years in a row. I mean, they're dealt just about the worst kind of gut punch you can when your superstar just decides, nah, I'm out. I mean, that's a move that can set you back 5, 10, 15 years. And the Spurs have recovered you know, pretty nicely. And they lost their, their starting point guard in the freaking preseason to an ACL injury for the whole year so. It's kind of incredible that the Spurs are even here, to be honest. Last one I've got for you here is, as we wrap up. How would you rate Michael Malone's podium presence over these first four games of the series on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, like a 13. Right. He's been unbelievable. He's been incredible. Yeah, I, I would I would want to play for Michael Malone. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, he, he 
obviously does a great job of just making you want to run through a wall. Like he's got that component of it. I think one of the things I've really seen this year is Michael Malone is, is willing to work on his flaws. Like he's not so set in his ways that he's like, we're always just going to do it this way. He's willing to adapt, which I really respect about him. And he's made a lot of right calls, even when the numbers have said this might not be the right call. I mm-hmm. mean, this Tory Craig thing was another example. He's just made a, a lot of right gut calls this season. It's such a difference sitting there in the interview room for a Greg Popovich presser where every writer there is just terrified to ask Greg Popovich a question to the point where before game four, Greg Popovich sits down, their PR guy goes, anybody have any questions for Coach Popovich? Dead silence for 20 seconds. Popovich gets up and leaves. He's intimidated Spurs reporters to a point where nobody wants to ask a question. And I think it's a little ridiculous. I mean, I think we've got to stand up to Greg Popovich at this point. We know it's just a shtick. And we know he just does this. He's a great quote when he wants to be. He was great in Denver for game two. He gave out some great stuff. I asked him about Derek White. He had a great response. He's really good when he wants to be. But watching him... And then going to Michael Malone, who's pretty much just like conducting a press conference symphony whenever he gets up to that podium. He's just owned this thing so hard over these first four games. It's crazy. Well, Pavlovich loves the line. Well, did you watch the game after things? <laughs> no, Greg. I was just twiddling my thumbs for the last two hours. Yeah, that said, I was definitely sitting in that room cowering like I was in sixth grade in the principal's office. Oh, man. And- you guys got to get over it. Come on. I'll, I'll let you fight that battle. I mean, if I was covering the team, it would be one thing. I got to see Greg Popovich five times a year. I'll, I'll let you stand up to him. Michael Mullen has just had some commanding presence on that press conference stage over these first four games. Like the soliloquy he went over when talking about Jamal Murray after game two, how he's got to stick with him, how he's got, he's his guy, he needs this. And then he, he's had a couple great ones over game three and four. So it was a balls on the table game four. <laughs> I still can't believe he got away with saying that. Like, that didn't blow up more than it did. Yeah, especially uh, today's day and age. Right. All right, well, we should probably get out of here. A lot to get to from game four. A great Nuggets win, 117-103. We can expect that they keep it going in game five. I think Denver takes game five, and then I think we can get a feel like if they take game six. If I had to guess, though, I'd still say Nuggets win in seven, just like I predicted two weeks ago. But not exactly how I thought it would get the seven games. I'll I'll admit that. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with another episode on Tuesday. Talk to you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits 
and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.